But I am excited for church today because I believe this message is going to help you uh, because it's one that has helped me. And, and it comes straight out of our text. And as we as we think about the book of Ephesians and as we think about what we've talked about the last two weeks, it was two weeks ago that, that our good friend Zach, and you can get that on the podcast, uh, but kicked us off in this book of Ephesians talking about who exactly is a saint, right? And how when you hear the word saint, you probably don't think of yourself, right? And maybe we shouldn't think of ourselves uh, until we heard Zach's reason why we should think of ourselves. But uh, go listen to that if you missed it, because uh, if you have been adopted into the family of God, you've been given all the rights of a son of God. And you are a saint, not because of anything you've done or that you've accomplished or that you've brought to the table. But as he uh, so eloquently did, as he was hopping on and off stage, he said, God handed you that. Right. And so what an awesome picture for us to be reminded that regardless of all the theological opinions that are out there, that God moved first and he while you were dead, as we'll talk about next week, dead in your sins, that he made you alive with Christ. What an amazing truth. And because of that, you are a saint. It's powerful. And then last week, Carl walked us through what, what that looks like on the ground. Like, what does it look like to be marked by the Spirit to the praise of his glory? You can get that on the podcast too if you if you miss those uh, that we are building on all of these things and 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 that theology is rich and deep and true and so what I want to do today is push even farther into that through the end of chapter one here so if you've got a Bible go to Ephesians chapter one we're going to start in verse fifteen but as you're going there what what is so important is as the theology moves its way into your head. Right, that it would make its way by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That seal that Carl talked about last week, that the power of the Holy Spirit would then move that theology from your head into your heart, right? Scripture says that God would give you and take your heart of stone and give you one of flesh, right? Because when that, when that transfer happens, then it can go to your hands, right? Stealing all of Carl's thunder next week, <laughs> right? Because, you know, that, that beautiful tension of it's by grace through faith so that we can do the things we were created in Christ Jesus to do. And so that's where we're headed. But uh, in that, where I want to start with you is uh, as you think about that, what do you think about when you hear the word faith? Where, 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 where does your mind run to when you've, heard the word faith. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you've heard the word, but you're not exactly sure what it has to do with you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you have uh, just not thought about it in a long time because it's so normal and natural for you to hear the word that you've lost its ability to uh, move your heart. Or maybe you're like me where sometimes you you know what you ought to do with faith. But maybe you've fallen short too many times or you've blown it too many times. And you think, my goodness, I've been a Christian for decades. 
Why do I still struggle to believe that God's going to show up and do what he promised to do? Maybe you're in that category. I'd fall into that a, a little too more often than I would like, like to admit. But what is faith? What is faith? I want to give you a couple things to write down in your notes. You'll see some blanks there. Uh, but let's begin here. When you think about faith, faith is believing without seeing. It's going to be your first blank. Faith is believing without seeing, right? In our case, if we would press a little bit farther into that spiritually, it would go this route. Faith is believing that what God said is true, is true. Faith is believing that what God said is true, really is in fact true. Let me show you what I mean. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says this, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You're going to have some neighbors, you're going to have some co-workers that when you begin to do the things that the Spirit of God moves in your heart to do that are going to think you've lost it. Can I get an amen in church today? Right? You believe in what? <laughs> yeah. Let's press even farther than that. Just five verses later, Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a powerful statement, right? That's a powerful statement. And, and honestly, like if we're, if we're honest with each other, that sounds really difficult at face value, doesn't it? Because if I think about that in my own power, I think about the things that I have to muster up, like, like if... If I forget about what we studied the past two weeks, which we're very prone to do, aren't we? That God acted on my behalf, that I've been marked with the Holy Spirit, that it's Him who lives in me, that fills me, it's clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and it's not of myself. Like, I, I forget that stuff, and I've been doing this for a long time. So I feel pretty confident that you do too. Oh, no amens on that one. All right. But it is difficult at face value. And, and thinking about that, why is it actually impossible to please God without faith? Why, why is it impossible? What, what, what's up with that? I want to actually suggest that that's actually good news for you and I, right? Because uh, faith then is a divine gift, isn't it? Faith then is something that, that I don't have to muster up. It's something that's been shown and given to me by God as we have learned so beautifully in the past two weeks. So as we come back to Ephesians, I want that to be in the forefront of our mind because remember what Zach said two weeks ago was that that message needed to inform all the other ones, right? Because as we get into talking about what does faith look like on the ground, like, like what does it look like to have a shovel in your hand and bring hope and peace to the world and, and push back darkness and shine light in the darkness and be salt and light in the earth, you know, and we get fired up about that and then we go out there and we're like, oh, sounded better in here in the comfy green chairs, right? Like life. I love this passage that we're looking at today because what Paul does is he brings us into his prayer life. He brings us in and he shows us what he prays for when he thinks about his friends, 
when he thinks about the saints in Ephesus, or as we learned last week in this circular letter that was going around to all the churches in that area, and in fact has come to Tampa, right? It's a powerful thought. That God, before the foundations of the world, knew that you would need this letter today so that you could go out and do what he's called you to do. It's awesome. And so, as he's walking into this prayer, he's going to express his thankfulness to God for these saints. And he's going to pray that God's power would be given to them. But grab your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 15. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, verse 23. And uh, this is, let me remind you, uh, the reading of God's Word. It's awesome. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, for this reason, all those things we talked about over the last two weeks, for this reason, ever since I heard about your what? Faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. That's the next blank in your notes. And I want you to write it down because I want it to inform the rest of our reading, right? Is that Paul prays that their faith and love would lead to certain blessings in Christ. Right, that he says, when I heard about you, the thing that stuck out to me was that you had faith in Christ. And because of that faith in Christ, that vertical relationship, I then heard about your incredible love for each other. Right, that when my vertical relationship was settled, it set me free to serve and love in all of my horizontal relationships. It's important. So he says, for that reason, I heard about these things. Verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then here it is, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Not ours. It's important. His glorious inheritance. Hmm. In where? His holy people. You and me. Those who have been declared righteous. Verse 19 and his incom I love this his incomparably great power for us who believe the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above rule and authority power and dominion if you walked in here afraid today whether the circumstances of life you live in whether the country you find yourself in or the decisions that it is making you can rest because Christ and his power is far above all of those things I love this in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and God placed Just a few things under his feet. Is that what the text says? It's not what it says, right? So we don't need to live that way, do we? It says that God placed all things under his feet and appointed him 
to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What a powerful passage of scripture. Paul says and prays that their faith and love would lead to those blessings in Christ. That he's heard about their faith in Jesus and their love for each other. And because of that, he says, I pray continually that those things would be a reality in your life. The two things uh, there that you can write down in your notes as we trek through this is that the first thing that he prays for is that the wisdom and knowledge of God, this revelation of God would be yours. The wisdom and revelation of God. And oh, by the way, we've been given the wisdom and revelation of God, right? And so so let's let's make that practical for just a second. There there will be times where you read this book and you won't like the things that you read. There were some things my dad did when I was growing up that I didn't like. But I did them because I, I trusted him. I had a great dad. I know some of you didn't have that privilege, but you have a perfect heavenly father. And he wrote a book, Divine Revelation. And, and Paul says, with your faith in Christ and your love for each other, like be remember that what I'm praying for you is that you would be filled with the wisdom and knowledge of God, the revelation of God. And you and I have it. We have it. And so maybe like the little takeaway you can do from that is to begin to immerse yourself in what God has revealed. I heard a quote this week and I loved it. It said, if you want to hear God's voice, pick up your Bible. Right? You know, like we, we talk about how do I, how do I know God's will? What, what do I need to do about this? And, and God has spoken and you can hear his voice. And then that same guy talking said, if you want to hear it out loud, then just read it out loud. <laughs> right? If you want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible out loud. I love that. Because we've been given the wisdom and knowledge of God. And then he presses even more into it. And number two there in your notes says, because of the awesome power that is mine in Christ. Think about that. Paul says, I pray that through the wisdom and knowledge that you get out of the word of God, that you would actually be given, and he, he lays it out, the incomparably great power, the same power that took Jesus Christ from the grave and back to life and then ascended to the right hand of the Father, putting him over all things in the earth and giving him to us in the church. He says, like, I pray that that power would be yours. I don't know about you, but most days... I don't feel like I'm living in that kind of power. Is it because God has a problem or because Mitch has a problem? Like Mitch has a faith problem, right? Like we're not confused about that. But I would encourage you today because if faith is believing without seeing and believing that what God said is true and we can actually have assurance about the things we're not so sure about, I have to go back to this book and I have to pray that the Spirit of God would illuminate, right? Would enlighten my mind, as the text says. So that I might have this power. 
And it's all possible because Jesus is seated on the throne in the highest place of authority and exaltation and power that you and I don't have to fear. You know, like when you read the scripture and it says, be anxious for nothing. How's that going? Yeah, not good at all, right? Anybody anxious for nothing? Don't raise your hand. You'll make me feel bad. Right? And, and I think what, what maybe is happening is we've become far, far too comfortable in what we can accomplish without the Spirit of God. And, and what is actually the biggest enemy of a great work of God is the decent work that I'm doing. Right? We, like, can I just encourage all of us to go back to this idea that the Spirit of God, the same power that raised Christ out of the grave is actually available to you. The power of God. Because he's seated on the throne in the highest place of authority and all things are under his feet. He's the head of the church. Wow. And yet, he takes all of that power, all of that wisdom, all of that knowledge and he gives it to his body, you and I, the church, to fill all things through his awesome resurrecting power. Right? Because that's what Jesus prayed, right? That, Father, you would bring your, head, your kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. Wow. That sounds fulfilling. I want to be a part of that. So how's that practically go in your life? Right? Because, I mean, I'm like, maybe you're like me, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I want some of that. Like, let, let's go there. Let's go that direction. But what does that look like on Tuesday? Right? What does that look like on Thursday? I mean, you get to Thursday. If you're breathing, you're doing well. Right? You know, but like at our house, you know, like like we work. We, we got three kids. They're crazy. Their dad's crazy. Right? Like, what, is, what does that look like? Can, can I just walk you through right here in this text what the spiritual journey looks like? Like, how, how do I move on, those, on that progression of life in Christ? This is, this is something that it has really helped me because when you think about that kind of power, you're like, I, I need that. I don't just want that. It, it's not just a desire. It's like, I actually need that. And some of you are nodding right now because you feel it. Like, you know that... On your own, you, you can't do these things that you are supposed to do. And I can't either. But right here, I, let's just walk through verse 17 and 18, and then I want to take communion together, okay? I'm just going to tell you right where we're going. Then we're going to sing a song called Christ is Risen, right? Because that, that's what we need. We need more of Jesus. So let, let's walk through 17 and 18. And here's what I want you to know. Every single one of you and myself are on this journey of faith somewhere. We're either at the beginning, the middle, or the end. But chances are there's part of what Paul is praying for that we are missing out on. And it's not because God has pulled the invitation away. Right? It's not because he's pulled the invitation. It's because I need to be set free in my own thinking somewhere. Right? So... So, so here it is, verse 17 and 18. Let's read them one more time. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? That's what he's praying for. 
But then he says why, right? He says, so that you may know him better. That next blank in your notes, and it's the first step on your journey of faith, is that you can actually know God. Just process that because th- this, is the, this is the point where culture says you're crazy. That, that even if God is real, you certainly can't know him. And he's probably not real. Right? But, but we walk around and we say, yeah, yeah, but, but you haven't seen him do the things in my life that he's done. Right? Because faith is believing without seeing. It's having assurance of the things that I hope for because I see him at work in my life. And and I want you to know, no matter where you are today, that you can know God. If you don't know Him today, I want you to know that today, if you will, as Scripture says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is Lord and that He's been raised from the dead, the Bible says you will be regenerated. Just like that. You'll be given that heart of flesh if you'll just confess that He is Lord and believe in your heart. You can know God. We were saying, like, I've got that one covered, Mitch. I've, like, I do. But what does Paul pray? That you can know him what? Better. 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 Right? It, it, you know, I've been married for 11 years. Is that right? 11 years. <laughs> 11 years. Some of you are like, wow, you're 11, 11 years, that's long. And some of you are like, what? You're just getting started, Right? Why is that? Because for years, I can continue to get to know her better, right? Like we understand this concept of a relationship, don't we? That as time goes on, that everything in my relationship with my wife can get better and better and better, right? It's what we dream about when we're kids, right? We see this old couple who's 80 years old and they're holding hands, Right, and I'll, I'll never forget my grandparents. They were married for 57 years before uh, my grandfather passed away. Something like that. It was some crazy number. And they would sit in the car and, and my grandfather would be driving and my grandma would look over and go, you're five over the speed limit. And he would go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm two over. And they would argue about the dumbest stuff. And then they'd get out of the car and what'd they do? They'd hold hands and they'd walk because it just didn't matter, right? Like... There was trust and love and all of that. But we, we do understand this concept that I can actually get to know somebody better and better and better. And I want to encourage some of you today that, you know, you're saying, man, I've known that God is real for a long time. But Paul tells these saints in Ephesus, I pray continually all the time for you that you would know God better. And as a pastor, as your pastor, let me tell you, like this is the prayer that I pray for you because you don't need what I bring to the table. You just don't. You need to know God better. And I want you to know God better. And if you don't, you can today. Settle that if you don't know Him. Settle that today. You know, when we go to take communion in just a couple minutes, just confess Christ and let's do that together for the first time. We'll walk through that when we get there. But what's the second part, right? Look at, look at the text. It says, 
Keep asking that you would know him better. And then what's the next thing? It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he has called you. You. You can be set free. You can be set free. James chapter 5, what we've already studied in Ephesians, what we're going to study next week, talks about these two realities. That in Christ you can have forgiveness. I want you to know today that to know God, you need to know that you can be set free. That, that the things that have caused you to be dead in your sins, as we will talk about next week, so come back and hear that. But you are dead in your sin apart from Christ. Your sins are serious and they have separated you from God. Because as much as we love that God is loving, we also love and need him to be just. Right? Because we look at the world and we say, who's going to set that right? You know, who's going to set human trafficking right in the end? Only God can do that. We, we can make a difference now and we should. And we're talking about that. But ultimately, evil in the world, we need God to do that. So he's, he's both loving and just. But Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Why is that? Because we need to be set free. That, that's why the Bible calls the law of God a mirror. That you would just read this book and hold it up and it would graciously show you who you really are and how much you really need him. Right? Free, Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 4, I've come that uh, I would set people free, that the oppressed would be set free. Because we need to know who we are and who he is. You can be set free. And, and, and so forgiveness comes from God, but isn't it awesome in James chapter 5 that the Bible says that healing comes from each other. That in Christ you'll be forgiven, but it's in the body of Christ, the church, that you can find healing for those things. Because who among us has struggled to believe that I actually am forgiven? You need me and you need the people in your city group to look you in the eye and say, in Christ, you've been set free from that. Go and sin no more, right? That's what Jesus, he would look at these people that were so outcast and so burdened and so sinful. And he would say, we, I love you. I have living water. I want to give that to you. And he would give it to them. And then he'd say, go and sin no more. I want to talk about freedom. When that Samaritan woman looked Jesus in the eye and was able to go back to her city and say, look, come see this guy who told me all these things I ever did. And they're like, why are you happy about that? Because <laughs> there's freedom in that, right? So forgiveness comes from God, but healing, freedom come from each other, from the body. And then there's like 66 one another's in the Gospel of John that we can start working on. Amen. And we all need work on this. And then third, I didn't really know what to title this because the text is, is so rich here. But I, I decided to call it this. You can uncover your specific purpose. I don't like the word purpose so much because it make, puts too much on you. But I couldn't think of a better word. But uh, let, me show you, let me show you this in the text, right? It says here, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. 
Right? So he talks about these incredible things that God's going to do and that God offers to you. And then he says that you can know the hope to which he has called you. In, in the original language in Greek, it literally talks about this being an invitation to have hope in your calling is the structure of that. That, that God is still, like we talked about in the first week of the series, giving you an invitation to have hope in your calling, right? So I just Googled some stuff about like, you know, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians where it talks about all these gifts that God gives to the people in the church and just all the different ways that we use those and serve each other and do uh, ministry together, right? All these spiritual gifts. And I just Googled some stats, you know, and there's all people that do it, but but so, some of the studies were showing that like 87% of the body of Christ doesn't know exactly what they've been called to do in the body of Christ. Like doesn't know their spiritual gift. And so... I want to encourage you if if you're not sure exactly where you fall in the body of Christ, we just last week had a growth track live. We did step three. You do the first two online, and then December, uh, I think it's eighth, December eighth, we're going to do another growth track live. We go right back here. So sign up today at Info Central. Do those first two steps, right? And because step two is going to talk about you, it's going to walk you through what your spiritual gift are. And then in step three, we're going to talk about how we use those both in the body and then in the world, right? Because we're called to both. But, but you can actually uncover what your calling is, the way you were wired and why you were wired that way. Get on a team or go have dinner with your neighbor. Do, do these things that God has called you to. Jesus said it this way. If you lay your life down, you'll find it, Right? powerful and then i love this one and i we've been talking about it for weeks but that you can make a difference right but that that's not just on a surface level right it's not just you mustering up some ability to do something what what i love about this text is it says here the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people there's a temptation there to think that that inheritance is mine Right? And there are other texts that talk about your inheritance in Christ. But that's not what Ephesians is talking about. This is not talking about your inheritance. This is talking about whose inheritance? His glorious inheritance in His holy people. What's so awesome about this is Paul is saying, I'm praying constantly for you that you would know His glorious inheritance. What is that? It's people. It's people. It's his people. And so when you put that in the context of the broader scope of Scripture, he brings us to life so that we can lead others to life, right? What does he, what does he look at his disciples right before he ascends, right? In the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things I've commanded you. And I will be with you always. Right? Elsewhere, he looks at his disciples and he says, Look up, the fields are ripe for harvest. But the workers are few. Right? So go into the harvest. Because of Christ and his great might, he, can, he will actually 
use you to bring others to himself. And what's beautiful about that is that he gets all the glory for that, right? Because he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. But what we talked about in week one is that uh, you are only holy because of what Christ has done for you. And that's your story. That's your testimony. So when you go back out into the world with, with your eyes, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you see people the way God sees people. And you can serve people the way God serves people because you have been set free in Christ. So here's the deal. Every one of us needs to take some step in that journey of faith. Right? We're all somewhere on that. Every single one of us needs to know God better. Maybe today you are in this place where you need the eyes of your heart enlightened. You've been struggling with sin or you've been dealing with some kind of oppression. We would love to pray with you about that. Talk about what it looks like for you to come to Christ and get freedom in those areas in your life. Maybe you've known God and you've just need to take that step and figure out what your spiritual gift is and, and we want to put a shovel in your hands. We want, to, we want to help you get to work for the kingdom of God because there's freedom in that in serving other people. Wherever it is, we want you to know that, that God has put you here for His handiwork, for these good works that He prepared beforehand for you to do. And that there's, that's actually good news for you today.